Welcome to the No Nonsense Nutrition Podcast with Brett, Ed, Fran, Johnny, Matt and Paul, helping you to build more muscle and to lose weight with a hint of banter and a dash of humour. Enjoy this week's episode. 5.41, welcome to the No Nonsense Nutrition Podcast, episode number 175. I don't know, 75, whatever, doesn't matter. Jonathan, you're looking very, very sharp with the um, savage haircut and very savage beard trim. Yeah, you get to a point where it gets a bit um, <clears throat> itchy and hot and irritating. It's time to go in. Do I have that problem? No, I don't. Do I have that problem? No. no. I think you referred to me prior to the call as looking like a terrorist, which I don't believe is politically correct or something that we're allowed to say, but... Probably not. No. But uh, they come in all shapes and forms, terrorists. <laughs> that they absolutely do. Um, it's only a joke, isn't it? You don't mean it. No, no. Um, it's only a bit of banter, bants. Um, no, I don't. I don't suffer from from that problem. Actually, I don't really. I mean, I say I, hotness. Don't know, but certainly I don't really suffer from the itchiness that a lot of people complain about. So, oh, no, I don't like. No. Guess my nerves can't stand it. The only thing I suffer from is when it gets to a certain length, I constantly have to touch it. Um, I am still talking about my beard, by the way. So, uh, yeah, that's the only thing I do suffer with. I can't like stop like doing this and playing with it all the time, which is, you know, it's probably more int- uh, more mildly irritating for other people than me. But it's also a bit of a death trap during these times of a pandemic. Let's be honest as well in encouraging to touch your face constantly. I'm going to assume that the hair itself is probably reasonably well um, attributed to capturing virus within the beard. It's like a bed. Hmm. A bed for virus. Bed for virus, yeah. Virus yeah. bed. You are patient zero. No, I'm, I assure you, I am not. I've never been to Wuhan. Wuhan? 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 Wuhan. How do you pronounce that? Wuhan? Some place in China. Someplace in China. Yeah, I've never been there. Although, um, I'm still hearing the theorists come out now about whether there's lots of information around the virus that people are still considering that it could very well be man-made. And I, I don't know for definite. Like, I, I, I kind of when I hear that, I think our oh, conspiracy theory. Like, come on, we're pretty much accepted, haven't we? That is from a wet market in Wuhan, Wuhan. Um, but then I maybe I think, well, maybe I'm, maybe I am just um, denying that too soon. And maybe I should hear like the evidence out a bit more, but I don't know. Yeah, you just think of the you just think of the diseases in the UK keep, all the Ebola's, all the dot. If anything, if any of that gets out, they wipe the population out. Well, the white population out, but well, makes a real dent in the population. Well, think, well, it probably is like I mean, it's a fairly you know, it's fairly mild compared to Ebola. I mean, Ebola's an eighty percent death rate. It's horrific. You know what I mean, but. You know, if he said it was man-made, it wouldn't surprise me. I'd be like, oh, maybe I'll then. No, I think it's one of those things where it feels logical that it could happen, but mm. it feels almost also a bit like a conspiracy theory if people say it did happen and it is what's happened without real, without any real evidence. Um, That's the epitome of a conspiracy theory, isn't it? Let's just make loads of shit up and don't have any, any credible evidence of it yeah a little bit um, and also the thing with conspiracy theories it's obviously 
like actual non-conspiracy, like real theories, can hide in plain sight because of the amount of conspiracy theories out there. That is true. It's almost like there's so many out there, like something that's actually real and has some evidence behind it. People just dismiss as a conspiracy theory because there's so much, so many conspiracy theories out there. Yeah, which some of them are true. You know, some of them do end up being true. I mean, there was the conspiracy about fucking Jeffrey Epstein, and you know, yeah, and that's. Is a belief that some covert but influential organization is responsible for an unexplained event, which I imagine has happened quite a lot in history. Mm. But then there, there is also the, the frame of mind that people are in at the moment give through like a pandemic where you feel really out of control and all the crazies come out because the only way they can feel in control is by knowing something that everyone else doesn't. AKA, yeah. the, AKA a conspiracy theory. So that's like, yeah, well, I, I, I know you don't, you know. Your sheep, and I'm yeah, I'm in control of all of this. Not not as in in control, but as in they feel in control because they feel like they know something that everyone else doesn't, and that everyone else is in the matrix, and that and they're not. Yeah, and they're usually the people who didn't even pass GCSE science, so the ability for them to critically think of any scientific is slim to in zero. Yeah, but then, but then, then I also think, right? I think, what if they're right? I, I know we've gone back and forth on this a bit, but it's like, right. yeah, what if but, they're right? Right, because they've looked at evidence, gone right. I crit- they've used their brain, critically thought, right, let's go through how credible this is. They've looked at different sources. No, it'd just be the fact that they've just gone, yeah, sounds about right. Yeah, blah, blah, blah. Bill Gates is a scumbag. Yeah, oh, look, it is. It's true. I was right all along. But, you know. Yeah, no. I mean, there, there, there are obviously certain conspiracy theories which are. Ludicrous. Well, just and also illogical, very logical. Like I seen one. It sort of ties in with the coronavirus. There was a, there's a supplement company selling herbs, which you can imagine is probably going to be bollocks. And they talk about big farm, and I hate when people say big farm. It just it can irritates me. It's like if these people were in control of the country, these people who conspiracy about big pharma, we'd have a life expectancy, fucking like it was three hundred years ago, because they're so fucking deluded that they think. It's usually CBD oil sellers think it can cure everything under the sun. But th- and I always think, well, the reason you say big pharma can't patent CBD oil, right, so they can't sell it, but you sell it. <laughs> so if they wanted to sell it, they fucking sell it. They just put them in there, a patent a little bit extra, and then they'd sell it. They don't sell it because the efficacy of, it, of what people think it can cure everything it doesn't it has its uses but not what people think it has and it's like these people are just dickheads can't stand it wrecks yeah. the uh, pandemic has brought out the worst in many many people uh, I'm afraid but I think if, if you if you believe what the health and the game changers and you believe that as gospel you don't have the ability to critically think about science then that's true so if you if you believe that you almost certainly can't evaluate the information you're getting about this pandemic, about Bill Gates, about Big Pharma, you can't evaluate that information well enough to establish if it's true or not. I'm not saying I'm super intelligent, but all you've got to do is do one extra Google to look at the source, and then you're doing ninety nine point nine percent more than what the conspiracy theorists are. Mm. Well, I think half the problem as well is these sites. There, there's so many dedicated sites that are that like kind of 
even almost sound credible if you don't know any better. That's half the problem, I think. And obviously, so you, you kind of feel like you're going away and doing some independent research, but really you're only going down kind of like a one side of a rabbit hole where you're just being fed all the same stuff that kind of confirms or echoes what you believe. So therefore you're like, oh, I've done all my research and this is all the stuff. And we see it in nutrition all the time with by yeah, the, the the Jason Fung's out there and the God knows who else, but like Dave Asprey's and just people that just follow these people blindly because they just believe that they are absolutely talking the truth, but all they're really getting is the same echo of their own beliefs and they're just missing out or not seeing the other sides of arguments or the other sides of evidence base or you know, it's just then it's just easy to dismiss it all. But same as I think it's nutrition, it's like anything in life. Is usually two hugely opposing teams, and and it's normally in the middle somewhere. Yeah, as, just... we've, as we've said enough times, Johnny. What? Um, moving on a little bit. What uh, have you been up to this week? Uh, have you managed to binge any gym sessions, knowing that the gyms are going to be closing in three more days? Well, in England. Oh, they actually, are. in England. Yeah, I guess in Wales. Yeah. Actually, you're all right, aren't you? In Wales, are currently closed. Um, however, I'm using a, a private facility so i did the chest and back session are, are, are you allowed to say that on record or well, is, there, is there actually anything illegal you're doing or i wouldn't no, i don't know i wouldn't say it's uh because you're not going to someone's house are you so no. it's not like you're going to someone's house um no. you could say i'm not training with anyone else so you know is it i don't know if that's even against no, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm asking the question. I'll never name the place it is. So, so, so fuck you. What's the Welsh Prime Minister's name? Um, Dripfoot. That's it. Well, it's Drakeford, but he's a drip and he's well. Yeah. Bit like Boris, really. Bo- but Bo- Bo- Boris uh, is worse than a drip, mate. Boris is more dangerous than a drip. I do. Um, I've been doing a bit more of a, a, a bro split because I'm supposed to be deloading, right? Because I'll, I'll, I'll tie in a deload with this lockdown and try and get a couple of sessions in. But <clears throat> because of uh, my extended bubble, who also trains, then I train with him and I'll just follow what he does, which is more of a, what you would, what most people would call a bro split. So chest and, well, we'd actually done chest and back today, but, you know, chest and one day, arms and one day, legs and one day, shoulders one day, blah, blah. But um, different, but good. It's always good to have, and especially when you train with someone, you always got that because he's stronger. You have to go right. I got to beat him. I got to keep up with him, and then you, it, it benefits you more than it because you, you do get you're chasing someone and you're not going right I'd beat my logbook which is just as hard but you think you might go that extra mile again go right I've got to come near him when maybe like like we don't bench I don't bench ever I drink well I say I don't flat bench it's just my shoulder but he was doing it so right, well I gotta I gotta keep pacing him so we don't I mean, I saw every bench and like but He's under for 12, so I have to do under for 12. He's under 20 for 8, so I have to do under 20 for 8. The under 30 for 5, I have to do under 30 for 5, you know what I mean? When I probably wouldn't have gone that heavy. Hmm. I probably would have stuck. If I do, if I did bench, I would try and stick to the higher rep range, not not load up so much. But, uh, you know, it's a nice sort of competition, isn't it? Yeah, I think obje- objectively looking at it, or kind of 
kind of discussing that point. Um, you'd say obviously the, the the dynamic of having a, a training partner with you does add this kind of extra layer of motivation that you just don't get when you're on your own. I get that. Um, obviously, clearly, there's a danger of you doing more than you should or pushing yourself harder than you're or further than you're actually physically capable of. Um, not suggesting you have done that because obviously, I suppose you know your limits and as much as you know, oh yeah. Billy Big Boss, I've got to keep up with him. You obviously also know really what you can and can't do, and you're obviously not going to be pushing yourself to limits where it's dangerous or you know, you're accepting the, the risk and reward type thing or aspect of it. Other people might not, and obviously it's great having a training partner, but if your training partner is just pushing you to just train poorly, effectively, in terms of just not managing volume, managing fatigue, uh, increasing injury risk, all those types of stuff, then it, obviously that extra motivation is worthless really because obviously you're not you're going to have all these negative effects from the other side of it so that's kind of what i mean by like looking at it objectively there obviously has positive aspects to it but there's also some things you need to consider when you're having that type of training and and thinking about a training partner because in my way i think of it as well is because he's uh one boy part per session so you're training once per week and i normally train a boy part twice a week so i can obviously afford to increase volume in the one session so it, it probably still is over and above what I would normally do because there is a few beyond failure sets which is not really but you're like oh well you know one off is not a mom you but you know we end up doing 10 sets of 10 of our of bicep curls which is just ridiculous <laughs> Plus, no, but <laughs> whatever this is crack on. No, it, it, it's it's one of those things. Is like every now and then is fun and it's fine, and as long as you know that you're doing it, not because it's optimal, but because it's fun and you enjoy it. And kind of my point really there, you're doing it in a time in a position where you know relatively it's safe. Yeah, oh, yeah. It, we, we the squats, for example, because yeah. like, is is squats the, the free standing stands. Mm-hmm. So if you you can't just. There's no, there's no safety lit pins or anything to like. You can't just no. walk into the cage and drop it. You've got to be careful of where you, you've got to look left and right to make sure you get it on. Yeah. So I wouldn't do that with that. But he's a very sentimental. You've got to go hard, and he likes failure. So yeah. if he likes failure, I can't fail before him. So it ends up being a, a not a mess, but like just a. If you don't like failure training, it's a disaster for you because right? you know what's mm-hmm. coming. No, oh. I've done 20 reps, so I go to 21. <laughs> yeah, well, it's funny because like we had this conversation off air. Uh, I I I can't remember the last time I did any type of training like that. My training's been more structured for the past few years. Like almost all of my sessions have been structured sessions as part of a plan. I've had a count on what on on let on one hand less than than one hand in the past probably three years the amount of kind of off plan sessions I've had because I've been either away or. Uh, you know like I said me Big Dan Mac and Ed did like a a bit of a session in one of the, the in a pure gym in Loughborough we went to one of the conferences and stuff and even then like I pretty much tried to follow my kind of usual stru- structured training plan which generally isn't kind of any it's it's all obviously kind of like a fixed relative intensity and a fixed intensity of effort and, and all this, this type of stuff in the way that I structure my training 
So there's never a going, go, oh, fuck it, let's just go smash like a load of arms or let's just go smash in as many sets as I can or supersets and stuff. But I do, don't get wrong, I do see it and I do get the benefit every now and then. Of, it's almost like a diet break or almost, you can almost yeah. look at it from like a nutrition perspective as a diet break or a cheat meal for want of a better phrase where you're just, you're doing it for enjoying it. But obviously I guess liking it to a cheat meal is it's not really a cheat meal. It's kind of a planned free meal that has some structure and some um, control under it, and it's not, and it shouldn't be a go in and binge your tits off type training session. Which is obviously it could be if if you went in just you know tried to keep up with your mate who's just doing every single thing to failure, and you, he's pushing you past bits where you're just not physically capable of because you're trying to keep up with strength in the bar, and because you, you end up just injuring yourself or hurting yourself, or like I say, you just end up doing too much volume and fucking up your next week's worth of training type thing. Yeah, there's definitely, it's definitely exercises you really shouldn't go to failure on, like straight leg deadlifts, Romanian deadlifts, squats. I wouldn't go to failure on bench press. Um, the smaller exercises and the smaller body parts you can afford to because the injury risk is less because generally you're using less weight. Um, but yeah, if like if you go to 140 bench, I know I could do two. I'm like, I don't really the point in doing two reps. For the injury risk for me for my shoulder is not worth two reps. No. Like, if I do eight reps, I crack on, but obviously I can't, so it's what's the point. But yeah, because he's a bigger, you're certain things. But he's a, he's a PT as well, so he, he's not, he's not like, let's just go to failure on squats and f- just dump the weight. No, he just, sound, he just sounds savage, mate, that's all. Yeah. So, <laughs> even though. I think he's just training because obviously we're in lockdown. But I don't know what his training is like in general. I think I think a lot of the time people are like that when they then like, a bit like you really is that probably the same for him maybe that like he's probably not like that training on his own all the time. But training then with a partner, you just kind of have a different mentality all of a sudden because you kind of you know you're not not actually trying to impress people, but you just yeah you know, it's nice to you motivate to train with someone and you just kind of push things sometimes. Yeah, especially when. Yeah, because you always got like, oh, can I get? And with a, a spot as well, you know, you can go for that extra one. You yeah. can rip. Right. No, I, I, I can do eight, but I can go for nine, knowing that if it goes wrong, mm-hmm. they can just pick it up. The bench, mm-hmm. you know, with squats, you can't just pick the squat rug right up. You've done bit, but no. <clears throat> well, I mean, I guess even squatting, you know, you can you can stand behind and try and spot, and obviously, worst case scenario, can try and help bring you back up. Just stand underneath and pull up your armpits almost, but. Um, Obviously, it depends on how much weight you've got on your back and how dangerous it is. <laughs> but yeah, um, no, cool. Well, obviously, I think every now and then, like I say, a session on that is useful in terms of just a psychological break. If anything, just doing something a bit different and help get a bit of fire back into training sometimes. Because you know, even the structure element can suffer. A lot of people can be quite boring because it's quite repetitive and similar sort of stuff all the time. I think it's what happens when you enjoy training, isn't it? It's like when you first. Maybe this could be a segue. If I can do it right, maybe it could be a segue to the topic. Maybe. It's like when you first start training, generally people do it for a particular goal, like maybe sport, maybe. Weight loss, muscle gain, they're too skinny, they need to get bigger, they're too fat, they need to get skinnier, whatever. So they end up doing it for an outcome rather than the particular enjoyment of it. Because people are, do want to go to the gym, I do want to do legs, blah, blah, blah. And over time, you end up maybe evolving and changing as well as you'd like to tell, and you change and you enjoy it more. 
and you do things out of enjoyment rather than just sort of I have to do this for this outcome as well because if I were just doing it cause I, for function I wouldn't do 10 sets of 10 of easy bar curls <laughs> it's just like it's not really functional really it's, you know it's overtraining really but because you enjoy you tend to do things that you enjoy and that's when I think the journey of training changes the longer you do it yeah no I do agree I think and this probably does segue in a bit in terms of a conversation I had with a client earlier today actually on the check-in um, and we were chatting about just general stuff but one of the things I did kind of mention around it feel, it sounds sad saying this out loud actually but you kind of get this realisation at some point during your, your cliche your journey where you realise there isn't really an end point like like you say, you start you start with a goal, you start with some a reason as to why you you start doing what you're doing. And I think over time you realise that actually you're never going to get there, and that's why I say it sounds a bit like negative or dismissive, really. But I think it's arguably true in that certainly I don't feel like it. It's just, you get you get halfway through and you realise actually it's either you're never going to get there or you realise that it's not about the end goal and it is purely about the process. And again, it sounds cliche, but generally I think most people find that. And this is the conversation I had with him um, where that moment, whether it's kind of an acute instant light bulb type moment or whether it's just something you just kind of realise over time that's just has happened and just slowly and gradually happened, you never even noticed it. But I think most people do turn around and just suddenly realise that actually they're content with the process and they're content just doing the things and they're not, and, and they never thought that. They always thought that they were going to be content once they got into either a certain shape or a certain body weight or a certain you know physique condition or whatever. And that inevitably, like, it never ends up being the case. No, never. You always think this is the ex- ideal weight, the ideal, and you're like, all right, I'm here now. Where, where's next? I want to get more shredded. I want to be bigger. I want to be whatever. I find that if you're talking about this today, funnily enough, like, one of the others, his goal was to be 18 stone. Then he got 18, then he was 19. Now he wants to be 20. And he's not fat. He's a big lunatic. Like, it's like, I was. At, I would have been happy with this weight. But you get there, you're like, I want to be heavier. I'd be happy with that weight. Then, no, you're not. I want to be heavier. You know, I can only go a certain, you know, I can only go so far. Yeah. It can't be like 40 stone. Well, it could be 40 stone, but he won't be in shape. But, you know, is the goal post always move? Yeah. All. And I think that's, and whether, whether that is because people are always striving for more or slash better, or whether it's because you're not basically achieving like a, a certain physique or body weight or whatever it is, just doesn't make you any happier. And that's probably the latter. I think obviously people think they're going to get into a condition that's going to make them happier. When in reality, they get in that condition and they're just as unhappy or... Maybe it's a bit, I don't know. Yeah, assuming like they they've they started their journey because they're unhappy with their body weight, say, or they're unhappy with their condition, they're still just as unhappy when they reach a certain physique because they suddenly realise actually that physique isn't the thing that makes someone happy or isn't the thing that drives their value or drive their worth to society or whatever. Um, and I think that's when people then start. And if I look at my own experience or anecdotes about it, I think that's what I then start to realise. Actually, yeah, I just enjoy the process now like mm. I, I i enjoy being the person i am compared to the person who i was 
Um, and, and like this was obviously supposed to be the topic really today, and what we we're going to kind of explore the, the the kind of philosophical side or have a bit of a, a thought experiment on it. But um, I kind of talked to to the same client I referred to a moment ago around how he feels like things have changed so much for him in the past five, six, seven weeks since we've been working together. In that he look kind of looks back at a person who he used to be and realizes he's just not that person anymore. And he says, actually, like looking back now, he can't ever see himself going back. And he and he kind of said, like, I, I'll be honest with you, when when I first kind of asked for help and reached out, I kind of thought, you know, I'll do the things, I'll lose a bit of weight, and then you know, you kind of you you kind of don't think about you changing specifically, and you think more around how I don't know, you you, you probably just assume you can go back to how you were before. What you lost the weight, but you go back to how you were before, and then you know that's that's kind of it done um and it's only now like he's seven eight weeks down where he realized he can't ever go back to was before like he suddenly realized that actually he's just one he's not that person doesn't want to go back but he suddenly realized that he can't go back and obviously i guess it's like when you say it out loud like that it seems really logical so it's like well of course you can't go back because if you eat like you did before you'll you'll just be in the same position as you were before but i don't necessarily think he means necessarily like as literal or blatant as that i think he means like even the thought of kind of having the eating habits he had before the kind of structure or the lack of structure in his life and just the like the focus on kind of his well-being that he didn't have before i think that thought of going back to that just like not even terrifies him but just makes him feel like he did use the word like oh actually you know some of the things repulsed him a little bit how he used to be and obviously you know i'm like trying to talk around kind of the, the word he's using obviously it's not repulsive but I appreciate the sentiment, what he's trying to say in that actually, yeah. I mean, I look back now and think I can never be that person that just, you know, just mindlessly doesn't care about what he eats anymore. Like there isn't, a, there is, there's barely a meal that goes by where I don't consider something about that food intake as to what it does for me. And that, that might be, does it hit the protein that I need? Does it have micronutrients? Is it, or it might more be around, does it make me feel good? Does it nourish me? is it going to have a health effect you know there's loads of things that might come into play as to what i think about it but very rarely do i now ever eat foods completely mindlessly and just eat what i want because i want pizza or i want ice cream i might choose to have a pizza because i really like pizza and i want it but it's obviously far more considered than your average person who obviously just basically pays no care for their diet does that make sense yeah you, you make decisions that are totally different to what you would have done before because you've you've changed the way you eat, you've changed, changed who you are almost. Yeah, you've changed, you change your lifestyle, and and that's where you get people. That and that's where you encounter resistance from people you know. You find the way you are. I mean, like shut up. I'm if if they were, they wouldn't be trying to change, right? Because in their eyes, they're not fine as they are, right? Why do you have a pair of cake? Why are you doing this? Why are you going to the gym this time? Blah 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 blah. blah. That's where you get all the. Uh, the resistance and that's where you end up because people know you for whatever you did before now you've changed they don't like this once it's a new you it's a bit iffy waffy but you no, make decisions that, that you wouldn't have made before no and I, I, I guess that's can sometimes reflect on themselves in that they feel uh, not not conscious but I guess that 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 reflection almost shows them what they cut they're not doing so they obviously then feel insecure that someone's achieved something they maybe want to but can't so and obviously that's then 
kind of um, shown by being resistant or negative or you know commenting on you know like you say why don't you just have a bit of cake you only live once come on send me a bit of cake that type of behaviours which doesn't really help the individual themselves but it certainly doesn't help the person that they're then kind of nagging at because that person's managed to change their life and their behaviours and become a different person Sorry to interrupt this episode, but we just wanted to let you know that we're currently accepting applications to work with any of our coaches to help you lose weight and get shredded or build muscle and get jacked. If you want to know more, just head over to nnncoaching.com forward slash apply. No contract lengths, just evidence-based coaching to make sure you get the results you've always been after. And it's, and it's the, oh, you're obsessed. Yeah, 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 yeah. Montana's of you are that. It's incredible. I'm like, yeah, yeah, whatever. But the strange thing is people will question your healthy choices, but they don't question people going to piss every weekend, get slaughtered, act like a bell end, and have an hang over the next day and eat shit, smoke, and look like a mess the day after. That's perfectly acceptable in our society, which to me is really odd. And like, if you drink every night, that's accepted as well. I'm like, if you're drinking every night, you've got, you've, you're on the road to a problem and not a good one. But then if you, and they kind of question why you have a bit of cake, I'm like, you're questioning my healthy choices, but you you are happy, you would be happy for me to get slaughtered on the weekend with you. <laughs> I'm like, this is an odd society. We live yeah, in. That's, yeah, that's, that's strange. That is the mad kind of culture aspect of society, which is, you know, just illogical and makes no sense. But that's what's so fascinating, really. Um, right, when do people question you all the time, you get more pig-headed. Like, you can't even ask me that fucking question, and I'll, I'll be 100 times worse than you. So wrap up, or I'll be worse. Yeah. And th- th- I mean, that's that's obviously true. I think we mentioned it before, didn't we, around kind of the rebound effect and that it's it's indicative of, of like, any argument you've ever had on social media, where if you try and tell someone and present someone with evidence about that opposes their view, that more, nine, 99 times out of 100, that individual themselves will dig in harder and actually believe you less or will we'll dig into their own side stronger than if you hadn't have presented with that which is obviously some weird crazy psychological phenomenon um, but it's amazing how it does happen and like you say the example there you just gave when people like dig at you for stuff like you're you're even less likely to have the cake when someone's going go on have a bit of cake go on it's only a bit of cake oh won't you live a little oh God, don't be so silly and it's like actually it does make you worse yeah I had, I had a conversation probably my early 20s me well yeah, 2021, 22. And someone said to me, like, because I didn't, I was a go quite often and not drink. And uh, they said to me, "You in 10 years' time, you regret not drinking. I'm like, ah, why would I regret that? Why? Tell me why. Oh, do you want to have much fun? She so said, what you're telling me is you need to, you need alcohol to have fun. I mean, who's the, who's, who's been more worried about the future, me or you? You. Because I'm quite happy to go out and not drink. Yeah, it's quite, no, no one should be telling people, like, oh, you, you're going to regret that thing because, you know, alcohol's amazing or, or you know, you're not going to have fun without it. It's like, well, actually, it's for me to decide, really, whether I want alcohol, whether I, it's going to actually improve my experience or my enjoyment of anything. For me, alcohol is one of the biggest problems the UK has. Mm-hmm. For health, for domestic abuse, people are getting pissed up. Stella, wife Peter, I know that's not Peter, but you know what I mean. People get pissed up, do stupid things, fight, kill people, fight, wreck someone's life, drink themselves into oblivion, die. The cost of the economy, the police, 
breakdown fights, people because they drunk too much. People being doing stupid things because they drunk. I'm not saying it's all bad, obviously, but it, I, I think in the macro, if they wiped out alcohol and it was never cured of again, it'd be a better place. Yeah, generally. Um, so just kind of like bringing it back to the the point, the topic of that conversation around someone kind of changing their identity almost I suppose I suppose it's the easy way to describe it they've gone from being like a, a normal person in society a normal air quotes um, person in society of just having no real care or thought about what they eat um, like no genuine consideration anyway um, to obviously reaching out getting some support changing the way they think about food changing obviously a lot of their habits and instilling you know, hopefully it doesn't sound really cliche or, or it's not appropriate but like I do see it as behavior change, you know, like true behavior change. And that person has then, those behaviors have changed their identity almost, that they no longer, no longer see themselves as that old person. They see themselves as something, as someone different. And I do think that's like so powerful and probably a position that people should try to get to. And I don't know if you can even try to get to it. I don't know if it's a sit like that feeling or that change of identity is a symptom of what you've done or whether that's actually the other way around vice versa so you actually change your identity therefore the rest of it follows I don't know I think it's probably more a symptom really but yeah, or maybe would, it's a bit of both I don't know for my experience I think for me it'd be a, a symptom you start off doing something you end up changing as you go along as you get further along the road uh, that you do it for if you're doing it for three years and years you just end up being Different. That's just how you are. That's it. I, I mean, don't, I don't piss anymore. It, just, it doesn't interest me whatsoever. No, no, it doesn't I'll me. Go to Celtic Manor with Shelley, have a massage, and then have food. And she wants a glass of wine. Crack on. I very rarely have uh, something, but I'm rare. Like, like if I if I was into drink, if I like to drink now, I'd, I'd probably be going out. I'm like, it's just not me. I'm just not interested. My people say, "Oh, why do you? I just not interested." I'm like, yeah. Yeah, the longer I've gone on, I know whether this whether this is related. I just can't be in with groups of people who are drinking in pubs. I can't do pubs. Just I'm like, don't I get feel on edge? Because I'm like, no, it's not for me. I was a place in Cardiff. <clears throat> Nobody used to go very often. There was a six years ago, not a lot, but now and again, there's this bar in Cardiff. It's, it's what's it called? Live lounge, full of crappy bands loud music people bump each other I'm like oh god I can't take it get me out of here yeah. I would rather pull my eyes out and be in here yeah and I, I I would agree I, I mean I, I'm I don't mind sitting in a pub with friends that drink and admittedly when people get drunk and loud and a bit silly then it can be a bit annoying as the sober person but I'll be honest I don't mind too much I absolutely have zero want need or intention to kind of be in a loud club where you're just standing around with your mates can't hear each other can't talk and you just basically all stand around at a bar almost that for me is just like my worst nightmare i've got no interest in doing that um, and that isn't because of me i don't th- well i don't think it's necessarily me changing my identity and i certainly don't feel like it's me changing my identity into or incorporating fitness and I think that's just more me getting older, if I'm honest. In that, I just you know, I I appreciate the time with my mates to chat and have a laugh. I don't really want to just stand there. Like, 
a bar and in a club is and like skulking around is is a young man's game looking for and I sound really fucking old <laughs> like a young man's game <laughs> oh, honestly ridiculous I just said that but it, it kind of is it's like for people single lads that want to go out and try and pull girls that want to go out and you know find find a partner they want to stand in the side and and kind of see the talent around as as they would put it like they ain't me I, I i'm married with two children happily married with two children i don't want to be standing in the bar looking at other women it just doesn't necessarily interest me at all um and that's not to say like you can't look at other women you know i'm not saying like oh i'm sure i'm so married i can't look at another woman it, it's just a case it just doesn't interest me i if i'm out to see my mates i want to spend time and speak be able to speak to my friends not just stand at a bar looking at other people because that sounds pretty boring you know even on my stand we went in the bar like i suppose there was a one-off and like i just not interested like because there's people talk and i i, I i'm not a for me i'm not i got nothing but people talk i'm like i don't want to talk to you you could be lovely, the nicest, but it was, it was two blokes like from Sweden. I'm like, I don't want to talk, I don't really want to talk to you. I could, <laughs> That's just because you're social, though, mate, let's be honest. You just don't like people. Maybe, yeah. I'm like, <laughs> it's, it's not, I'm just not, in, I don't want to be rude. I did talk to them, I don't want to be rude, but I'm like, I just want to speak my mates, but I don't want to talk to anybody else because I'm not interested. It's, I just got no interest in what you got to say. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah, I, I say, the just bring it back to kind of like fitness and stuff and nutrition. Um, it is, I, I guess it is different a little bit into when it comes to food and stuff because you can't avoid you can't I mean, it's, it's not healthy anyway put it this way to kind of like completely avoid and change so that you are the individual that only eats clean food or you only do stuff that's fitness related because I think you can't have that forever like you can't be Mr. Fitness or kind of be the person that does fitness or be the person that doesn't drink not that she doesn't drink, but you know what I mean? Like, kind of like live that that wholesome lifestyle. You can't be that person forever. When that then goes, it'll leave a big fucking gap in your life and then you'll struggle, I think. So I think there are some, some aspects where you need to consider around your identity as someone that now eats a certain way or has considerations. Because I guess a lot of this conversation did come around like where at the start of working, things like taking consideration of the macronutrients that make up meals you eat, the types of foods, the food quality, the variety, all the things that you have to consider when you first start trying to implement a lot of the behavior change stuff that we, you know, we get clients to do. It is a lot of effort. It's not autonomous. It's not not automatic. It's not instant. It's just really do have to work on thinking about these things. But he said over time now, like they have become more autonomous and he's just actually like, he doesn't really consider too much now about how his meals are made up. They're almost like, automatic as i said they're almost like they just happen um because that because his identity is now that's what he does and it becomes easier to do the, the more you do it and that's why genuinely we, we well we are against just one approach for everyone because it, it doesn't give you that autonomy when you go out like me and you could both go out regardless of where you i mean, it's the way you are in the world but if you don't know what a food is difficult to calculate what it is in it but Generally speaking, you can go out and you can guess sort of the calories. You can guess if you because you know what foods um, like digest well with you. Because I know certain foods just don't help me at all. But like when I was on my stag, do I know we went to a, it was an Italian restaurant, um, but they had um, a menu where you, I think you have like twenty five dishes or something ridiculous. But I'm like. I, I I like the food on it, but I love I'll order a proper meal of um, kind of whatever it was, pizza and whatever pasta or something. 
because I know if I eat 20 plates, I will feel like a bag of shit. Mm. Because but I'm not gonna, I'm not willing to like just appease the, my mates who want to be to have that because I'm gonna feel like dog shit. So I won't do it. But I know this from experience. I know the sort of foods that they will be serving: heavy, heavy in bread, heavy, heavy in carbs. Too much of it just wrecks me, bloats me. So I know that I can't eat it. Well, I can't eat. It. I just, I just won't eat it. And that is a that's that's me learning throughout the years of knowing and learning your body and what reacts well and understanding the food composition and not just that's a part of change it could be for I've just gone through it like oh, I just eat it I just feel like shit because it's nice but now I wouldn't and like that's developed over time but when you understand how foods make you feel but the macronutrient makeup the micronutrient makeup you can make simple easy choices when you go out and not even stress about it because when people pigeonhole themselves into a certain diet like keto for example then you, you're in a bad way when you're trying to go to a, when you're out and you, you with your, your mates want to be social and you can't be because you haven't got a clue what to pick. Mm-hmm. So that's why it's important to, yeah, change your behaviours and not just pick a diet to serve a purpose and then you can know what to do after. Yeah. So, Bonfim. but that changes all the time, doesn't it? Yeah, I think I think it's also important that people realise obviously this kind of idea of changing your identity or becoming, you know, becoming fitness shouldn't become all encompassing either. In that it's unhealth, it's like we talked about before about fine lines of health, but it can be just as unhealthy then going to the extreme of that you are never the person that has pizza, you are the person that has chicken, broccoli, and rice or whatever. Um, you know that's bordering on the line of orthorexia or kind of other food or yeah I suppose food or nutrition or fitness related kind of issues or psychological issues um, which have to be a consideration you know it's funny how like you get to people like talking about my client we talked about earlier in that all these autonomous really what you'd consider healthy habits that have just happened and kind of been embedded now through kind of behaviour change stuff Um, yet I'm almost sometimes actively discouraging some of those things. Now they're embedded to kind of bring it back a little bit because you do also still want people to be able to live what is considered a normal life and a long-term, moderate, healthy like mindset on stuff and not just kind of solely focusing on what is fitness and what has to be the, you know, the optimal or the healthiest way to live. Because health, as we know, is multi-multi-faceted. There's lots of facets of health, not just physical like stuff that's that's affected by your nutrition and what you eat or the actions you take in terms of your exercise there's way more to it and obviously it's really important to encourage people to kind of look at it more holistically and realize that it's actually okay to go out and have a pizza you just got to have a the the right mindset about doing it like it's you know you want to obviously avoid binging feeling out of control when you're eating this type of stuff but you do want to encourage people to kind of experiment and attempt and look at those kind of habits that wouldn't necessarily be related to a fitness identity like having a pizza and a beer at a weekend with a mate you just don't want it to be five pizzas and 20 beers no you, they need to that's why it's proper coaching and that's why the people need the ability to live a normal life while 
still being healthy because we know that if you you have a pizza like you say your diet is, is good you've been good for a few weeks or whatever where being good and you go have a pizza it's going to make no difference at all to your health at all over a day it's like I think people think <clears throat> that biology is fast you know what I mean mm-hmm. like you've been doing like a certain acute, acute yeah, or, yeah at all it's like you've been dying for a month one high day is is not gonna reverse the adaptions that your body's made in those months of dieting. It's not gonna happen. Um, <clears throat> and but, in, in the same one one training session isn't gonna turn you into Arnold Schwarzenegger at Mr. Olympia. Yeah, in the in the, in the same breath, of like maybe listeners say that maybe people drop carbs on non-training days. What's the point? There's no point. Because your body's adapted to how many carbs over the last six months, it's not. It doesn't matter. But you've got to be able to reach your goals, whatever they may be, but still be able to live a healthy life. I mean, it, I think it becomes different when you talk about sport. When there's, you know, like a footballer who's paid two hundred grand a week, like you. You probably need to, well, you you should be more disciplined than your average Joe, and you may have to um, do maybe unhealthier, have unhealthier habits, maybe because of the, because it's your job, temporary career. Although the as much as I I do agree with that, I am agreeing. I I also think ironically certainly at like professional levels as well, they probably get far more leniency or scope to be flexible because yeah. of who they are, because of their genetics, because yeah. of the sheer volumes of activity they're doing, say. Like ha- having a pizza off plan is going to be far easier to do as a pro footballer, say that is training twice a day, six times a week, um, or should be anyway. Um, that, you know, it's, that's than, than your average Joe almost. So... Like I do agree. I guess if you want to be like the absolute pinnacle of your career and as optimal as you possibly be, they should be more strict. But arguably, the the other side of it, playing devil's advocate, is is they probably do get more scope to be able to do that and not have an effect from it. I don't think pro footballers are really known for their um, no. super quality diets. I mean, absolutely not. I in in my eyes, I imagine the if people are interested in football, people like Gerard. Keen Lampard would probably be the sort of players who would be more disciplined in general if they had the knowledge. Because we know footballers are not entirely, you know, they're not the most intelligent in uh, dietary terms. But more, I would say most footballers just have probably got no clue. They say, you know, use your breakfast in the, in the training ground. Yeah, I think there's, there's, a, there's a bit more to it now from the rise in popularity of things like sports nutritionists and strength and conditioning coaches and stuff. However, I still think the level of expertise that are in these high-level pro, pro sports are still way below what like general public's expectations would be. I mean, you only got to speak to the few people we had. To, like, I remember, obviously, Lloyd Parker used to be the Everton and Man City um, sports nutritionist telling at a conference we went to kind of some anecdotes around the types of foods and the things that he, when he first went to clubs, that he had to try and overturn because people were having cheese toasties for breakfast and youth players and I just want chips for lunch and stuff you like you want to be pro you like especially youth players you know they want to make it big in the first team and you know they're 
there's so much more improvements they could make through optimizing their nutrition yet they just want chips for lunch it's like it's mentality in it now it's like i mean it's a bit off topic but like 20 years ago they were paid really well don't get me wrong but there was more you know, like I said before, the Vieira, Keane, Gerard, Lampard era, they were the top of the game mental, mentally. I will do whatever it takes to be the best in the team. And it just it doesn't seem to be that sort of attitude anymore because they pay too much. Well, too... Yeah, but then also, I don't know if the examples you gave are the best, mate, because most of those players played drunk half the time. Like Tony Adams had openly admitted the, the amount of games he's turned up to, like where he got in at 5am and then like kicked off in six, six hours, like still drunk. Yeah, maybe not that either. And he, and he was still the best player on the pitch. Like Merson used to say that. Merson had his best games when he was still off his nut. Maybe though, maybe the players I mentioned, and maybe not the era. <laughs> no, but I, I actually think that aligns with some of the, the kind of points I made. That like those individuals themselves can still do that and be the best players on there. So it shows you really kind of the the majority factors that actually play a part, aka genetics, talent, like ability. Yeah. Now, even like work ethic, not necessarily nutrition or no. whether they're sober. <laughs> look, yeah. look you just, what, what, watch The Last Dance on Netflix and look at Michael Jordan, like getting drunk yeah. half the time and stuff. And like, he yeah. obviously was a big drinker, but look how fucking good he is. Genetics play, well, genetics are number one. If you don't go to genetics for a particular uh, endeavor, then you will never be the best. But I think even, even with health, there is obviously an element of genetics put your cholesterol heart disease risk you can just mitigate those risks that you maybe you'd be like maybe you've got a 20 percent chance because of your family history but with the correct diet and exercise you may have a 10 percent whatever mm. there's like because people always say you know you always get the, you always get the person oh my nan if i know she smoked 40 a day yeah because she the, her genetics enable her to do it mm. but it's is that a is that an excuse to tell people it's okay yeah no it's- because not, most people wouldn't survive. Yeah, I say it's not it's not an indication of everyone else's genetics. It's just the one anomaly. But anyway, yeah. um, we've reached the fifty minute mark. And I think we should wrap up, mate. So um, that's why rude tell me to wrap up. Sorry. <laughs> say that's how you ended up with children. <laughs> uh, we um, anyway, yeah. Uh, hopefully, people enjoyed this. You know, the the rambling chats, but. Add some value and some insight. Like I said, a little thought experiment there into to kind of how you might go about your journey. Um, like, share, review, um, all of the things, please, if you wouldn't mind. Uh, tell all your friends and family. You know, let's be honest, people aren't going to do a lot now in, in well, in England anyway, in the lockdown for the next four weeks. So you might as well just get some podcasts and go for a little, little wander out on your own. So Yeah, tell us how great we are in the comments. Or well, not. yeah, or not, but just you know, just help us reach more people if you wouldn't mind by by sharing around. So, kind of fake reviews, like giving us one star, saying what, what, what was that one star review? We said we peddled some some yeah. Some... We, where someone said this isn't even a nutrition qualification at all. What are they talking about? I was like, we never said we were. <laughs> so I didn't realize we'd started giving out fucking some people, to people. Are really really stupid, and that was one of them. I hope she's. I hope she or he's listening. You were very, very stupid. <laughs> I know she's not listening because I wouldn't have gone this far. Yeah, we've we've had a few like that, which are clearly robots leaving reviews on stuff because they have zero relevance at all. Like they can't. They're not even someone disgruntled like leaving shit reviews unless they are. But 
Um, as in, they just seem so irrelevant that they're just randomly plastered on our page compared to you know any other podcast they probably should have been on. But hey ho. Um, right on that note, let's say au revoir, bonjour, adios, and get eating and cheese. And then ten. And then ten. Right. See you later. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the No Nonsense Nutrition Podcast. We'll speak to you all next week.